Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. I'm Matt Deegan and this is our eighth annual Media Predictions Special. Each year we ask our experts to gaze into their crystal balls and predict what trends, twists, and turns will shape the year ahead. Get ready to hear about AI journalism, severed ties, wildcard comebacks, subscription bubble bursts, and much, much more. Plus, is the Channel 4 privatization finally dead? We dissect the end of one of 2022's biggest stories. That's all to come in this edition of the Media Podcast. Uh, As you may know, uh, I wasn't presenting the show towards the end of the year uh, as I had a bit of a medical surprise as I was diagnosed with colon cancer. I was very fortunate in that they've whipped out the offending tissue pretty quickly. And whilst it doesn't look like it's advanced anywhere else, I'm currently halfway through a round of chemotherapy. I can tell you there are certainly more fun drugs out there to have. Uh, I wrote a blog post about this, if you're interested, at mattdegan.com. It's generated loads of kind thoughts, um, including from media podcast listeners. So thank you all for your concern. I'm really excited about being back on the show. uh, But particularly, I want to give thanks to all of our regulars who filled in and did such a great job. So 2022 was a huge year for media stories. Elon Musk purchasing Twitter, Tim Davey taking the BBC Digital again, uh, multiple culture secretaries and of course the Channel 4 privatisation saga. There's been some breaking news over the holidays though. So before we peer into the future, I asked indie hero and ex-Channel 4 employee Faraz Osman and media commentator Tara Conlon to give us a bit of an update. Hello, Media Podcast listeners. It is Faraz Osman, and with me is Tara Conlon. Tara, do you follow the Larry David School of Thought about Happy New Year? Like, is it a three-day amnesty after that? You're not allowed to say Happy New Year anymore, or do you, like, use the whole of January to, to wish people well? Yeah, I'm. I'm probably the whole of whole of January. It's you. You kind of check yourself, don't you? you think have I said Happy New Year to you? Um, even though it's mid February, uh, you haven't seen them. So yeah, I'm probably the reverse. I'm just going to ask: Are you happy? That's that's all I need to know. <laughs> I feel like Pharrell Williams. Um, yes, I'm happy. I'm on the media podcast, so I'm always happy when I'm on the media podcast. Well, I'm not going to lie. I am happy that Channel Four has been saved Yay. from privatisation. I don't know if saved is the right word, but it's no longer being privatised. The government officially pulled the plug on it earlier in the year, I think. In fact, I think it was one of the first news that broke at the beginning of the year on, on the News Agents podcast. Yeah. Um, how did you find out? Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think. I think via Twitter, I think, actually thinking about it. It's like, where were you when Channel 4 was saved from privatisation? Um, but yes, I heard about the, the leak on the, the News Agents uh, podcast. And then everyone was sort of talking about, you know, is, is it true? Is it true? And then, and then it was. And it was so. And it was a, a good thing, I think. It, it means we can, I mean, Channel 4 can focus on what they do best. Uh, it means the rest of us journalists can focus because we've got enough going on. 
a, you know, an, an argument that no one really thought, apart from the, the government, was a good idea. And it's wasted, I, God knows how many millions of pounds and or hundreds of thousands and, of pounds. It has made people, you know, focus on the future of Channel 4. So maybe that is one silver lining. And there'll be things like more, you know, more, more uh, money to be spent on skills. I think they're doubling that. But I think, you know, it has taken up a lot of people's headspace. Yeah, I, I saw it as well. Um, it was so Lewis Goodall, who's the who's one of the three news agents on Global's podcast, managed to get the scoop and, and he posted the letter on his Twitter. So it was pretty well, I guess this is very official very quickly. And obviously they followed up with an episode of their pod. And then it seems like Michelle Donnellan has been doing the rounds and has appeared on on various podcasts. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be grabbing her on this. Let's let's hope if she's listening. Hmm. Then uh, then give us a call, Michelle. We'd love to have you on this show. But it certainly goes back to to the status quo of where Channel Four is, other than having a few extra million for training. And I, I must say, I, I think that training is becoming incredibly essential, particularly in the TV sector, because although there's a lot of great things that have happened with the whole working from home culture. The, the reality is, is that if you're a new entrant or a young person coming into this industry and you haven't had that opportunity to sit in a production office where so many things happen at light speed when you're in a production, I do think that there is mm. a gap in the way that particularly new entrants have been trained to to enter this industry. And, and I'm sure the same is true in journalism as well. There are skills that you simply can't learn out of a book and you need to be in the cut and thrust of of a production office or a newsroom. And I think that if some of that money can be used to, to plug that gap, that's no bad thing. Although saying that, you know, Channel 4 is don't make programmes. There's a whole separate conversation about whether or yeah. not Channel 4 should be allowed to make programmes. They don't currently make programmes. So it'll be interesting to see what the expectation of that fund is when it comes to upskilling people. I mean, Horse Ferry Road is just commissioners and business affairs and lawyers and, and some some commercial people and I'm not sure that's where the skills need to be fostered. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because it's actually, it's 20 years, isn't it? From the terms of trade, which was the code of practice set up to try and make sure that independent production companies got a fair trade on the, the, you know, the rights to their programmes and that helped create this, you know, was it three billion pound worth economy, creative economy that that we've got and the independent sector that we've got, which is the envy of the world and making shows for you know, all the big streaming companies. So it's quite interesting that in 20 years since that was set up, we are back to Channel 4, the company which helped incubate a load of those independents over the years. And with the, you know, sort of decline in, in streams, in fact, that's sort of one of my predictions of this year is whether or is, you know, are we going to see, I think there might be a slight contraction for independence because so many of these big streamers are are cutting back a bit really aren't they they haven't got the big jacuzzis of cash they've got you know they've got hot tubs of of, of cash but you know not the massive jacuzzis i'd say probably more the inflatable hot tubs paddling paddling pools of pennies <laughs> paddling pools of pounds um we'll, we'll get into that because i i my, my prediction is almost slightly in the other direction when it comes to the uk sector i don't know maybe for being a january optimist but we'll, we'll definitely dive into that shortly but i i would like to say as a final point on channel four i do have a little bit of a concern i think it's a great thing that it's you know the privatization anxiety is is off the table um, my, my view is is that the remit does need to be looked at and it is sli- slightly unclear as to kind of what the purpose of channel four is in this new landscape and i think that everybody from indies to audiences would really benefit from from a very clear 
position of how Channel 4 differentiates itself from the BBC and ITV and, and the commercial streamers. Because I think that one of the things that made Channel 4 so successful was its distinctiveness. Mm. And, you know, we've seen a lot of things in, in the last tenure of, of management at Channel 4 where they've bought in Bake Off, which was obviously a hangover from when David and Jay were, were running the place. But, you know, Taskmaster has come in. There's, there's been a lot of things where programmes and formats have, have swapped between British broadcasters and it's unclear where the breakout format has been in the last few years for Channel 4 and, and I think a lot of that is having an impact on the identity yeah. of the channel and, yeah. and and I think the remit could help solve that if it was a real clear this is what Channel 4 does everyone else does this we do this I think that that'd be really useful and my hope is is that just because the arguments off the table around privatization we don't stop talking about how we can make this, the remit as strong and distinctive as possible because i think that's important. i think that's, that's true when you say about one of those you know those big breakout shows and they do some you know amazing things like channel 4 news as well in particular there are those kind of like seminal programs at big brother or paralympics or and i don't know whether i mean it sounds like i'm i'm mentioning a lot but rise and fall which is a big show coming up made by studio lambert who made the traitors and I think that might, if that, you know, works as well as it looks as though it's going to, which looks at the, the sort of social inequality and, and power in society. And I think in the current political and social climate and economic climate, a show like that, which looks at power and inequality might, you know, be one of those kind of breakout shows which makes us think, okay, it's not just in news, but it's in entertainment that Channel 4 can really make a difference and make us look at British society which perhaps the streamers don't say that. Although not to be too on the nose about it, I think that like, the, you know, the, the inequality of, of the indie sector and how you've got Studio Lambert making the show <laughs> for the BBC and the biggest show for Channel 4 is is part of the issue, I think. And I think it would be good to see how, you know, there's, there's been muted points around it when, where Michelle Donnellan has said he, she wants to see how the indie sector can be protected, particularly for small indies. Mm. And naturally, as somebody running a small indie, I'm going to be very fascinated to see what that actually looks like. Because I think that... We can't have like a few big indies, if you know, inverted commas, just making all the shows for all the broadcasters and streamers, yeah. um, because that's not what Channel Four was created to do. And and I would like to see a remit that's much stronger in protecting the smaller indie community, particularly if they are having the idea of Channel Four making its own programs being put on the table. Yeah. That just puts the fear of God into a lot of companies like us moving forward. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm, no, I'm still I have kind of very much that, got yeah. my eye mm. on on policy at four. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us up to date on, on Channel 4. And you've already teased some of your predictions. I've got, I've got a sense that we might have some uh, some differing opinions on, on what's coming up for the year. But but why don't you start, Tara? What do you feel like is going to happen in, in this lovely industry of ours in 2023? I, I mean, I don't know. There are bigger brains than mine that know far more about it. But I, I just it just seems to me that there does seem to be, with the big streamers, is this the you know year where they start to consolidate, amalgamate? Can they keep throwing you know, loads and loads of money. There seems to be more shows being on the greenlit, de-greenlit, I don't know, cancelled, as it were. And my concern is what effect that has on the independents who are making them. They've got more outlets, so more ideas have been able to be commissioned. I just think that there will be fewer outlets out there. Having said that, I think that of the, of the ones that we know, there will probably be others that come up. There'll be new there always is. There always are new outlets, but maybe the big names will contract um, a bit or amalgamate. The the advertising funded, um, you know, AVODs and advertising funded subscription companies. I think those are the ones that perhaps will grow. So hopefully there will be there'll be new but different outlets. But I think there is there's going to be some contraction. Just talking to 
indies that I know who are having I heard that AVODs have been rebranded as, is it fasts? Is that right? There's a new term for AVODs that have got, like, they've got this, like, they're trying to get rid of AVOD because advertiser-funded sounds a bit crass. And it's now, I feel like it's fast or something like that. But yes. anyway, there's, there's, a, there's a new acronym that would be yes. bounding around in 2023, as I love to be contrarian about these things. I, I think you're, you're right that there are too many streamers <laughs> and there will be a bit of consolidation. And I think some of those streamers have been set up to be acquired and whether or not that's going to happen in 2023 or if it's going to take a little bit more time or in fact if there isn't even an appetite to do that level of consolidation is is going to be interesting but what i do think is happening is is dramas certainly those kind of high-end very premium glossy dramas are starting to wane i think that because there are so many of them and audiences have almost got a little bit Mm. overwhelmed with the amount of of, you know viewing they have to do with these mad multi-part huge multi-million pound series they've they've not got the audiences that they hope to get so my hope is it's a prediction and a hope just because i'm in this sector not because i think this should be good for the industry but my hope is is that we are going to see a a, a move to factual and you know everyone's talking about traitors right now i I think that that's going to kick off a whole new wave of of premium entertainment and factual both on broadcasters and streamers because it is cheaper doesn't matter how premium the factual is it is always cheaper than doing drama and that hopefully will have mm. a knock-on effect here in the UK because I do still think that the UK is the best in the world when it comes to making factual programming. I think Hollywood has done very, very well in the drama boon of late and a lot of movie studios have, have pivoted to making stuff for streamers and doing high-quality dramas and actors and directors. But now I think that there's going to be an appetite to doing more lower-end dramas, dare I say it, the Netflix soap opera is coming. I don't know what it is, but I, I very much think that they're, they're, they're looking for their kind of, <laughs> right? Um, West Enders. Uh, West Hollywood Enders. And the return of those formats and those, uh, but done with a bit more of a glossy edge. And we're, we're seeing it already. There's the Bond show that's happening on Amazon. Yeah, There's I agree. There's a game hat mm. show that, um, that's happening on Netflix that are both factual shows and are both made by big UK yeah. indies. And I think that, that's, uh, that there's a bit of a, uh, an excitement brewing around the UK industry about if that means that we're going to see yeah. more of that cash flowing over this side of the water. But that's one. Have you got number two? Yeah, I think more of a focus, well, not even more of a focus, there always is a, is a focus on news, but sort of a two-pronged thing. Obviously, we're going to have the amalgamation of the BBC uh, News Channel the, with BBC World News. And I think that is what how that looks on screen is not going to just affect um, people's perception of BBC News, but people's perception of the BBC. And I think if they don't get it right, politicians are going to be very focused on the BBC and, and its future and the licence fee. Because at the moment, some people within the BBC feel that it's going, the amalgamation of the world news, the international news and the home news. Home news isn't going to get enough of a say. And it's still being piloted. It's still being worked out. I don't think they've got the answer yet. They're trying to work it out. But I think it's it's a real political hot potato. And that's going to focus everyone's minds on what the license fee is for. If it's not for news, what, you know, what, what it is for more than news. But that's what everyone always thinks is, is one of the BBC's mainstays. So I think the BBC's I, got I, to I really focus on that. I broadly agree with you. Although if somebody needs to ask what the BBC is for, I think we're going to find out in a couple of months with the coronation of King Charles III. I think that the uh, that, that, that coronation <laughs> is, going to be, yes. is going to be massive and is going to have all eyes on the BBC if they pull it off successfully, then I think that they'll be safe, at least for this government period. 
And it seems like the Labour government, which, I mean, all looks like but certain to come in in the next couple of years, seem to be more sympathetic to the licence fee and the BBC. So if they can if they can pull that off successfully, I think that that will be the mm. thing that kind of keeps the heat off them until the new year. Back over to Horse Ferry Road, or actually not Horse Ferry Road. I don't know if we're allowed to keep saying that now, but back over to Leeds, Bristol and Horse Ferry Road. I do think that, like, and Glasgow, sorry, Glasgow. And Glasgow. I'm sorry, Scotland. But I do think that now that privatisation is done there's going to be some senior management movement at Channel 4 now. I think that the uh, weathering that storm is is, inc- is incredible challenge for any CEO. I know other CEOs have had to deal with it, but Alex Mahon has certainly had the most amount of pressure and it looked like it was it was a difficult one to survive and she managed to survive it. Whether or not she wants to take on another challenge is, is yeah. going to be interesting. What, you think she might be a bit like J- uh, Jacinda Ardern well, and say I haven't got I mean, she has used tank. up a lot of energy. Yeah. It's, it was a big fight and she managed to pull it off. So, so it is, you know, it's, it's possible. Yeah. But I, I do think that it would be strange mm. to figure out what can be bigger than saving Channel 4 from privatisation. And uh, and now that's been done. And there, are, there doesn't really mm. feel like there's any like big Paralympics thing coming up or, you know, the, the move is pretty much done into the regions. Like, what is it that, that Ian and, and Alex want to achieve next? And I think that it feels like it's it might be time for them to start. Uh, handing over the keys to a new regime. But we'll, we'll see. But I, I, I get a sense that we're going to see some movement over to Channel 4 in the next few months and this year. Um, and then my last one mm. is is on AI. I, I just think that AI has now become like commercially available to pretty much all everyone. And I think we're going to see an AI scandal this year of, of pretty significant proportions um, because I don't think that this technology has been properly tested in the market and it's, it's coming up so quickly that something's going to happen with AI that, that is going to make us all shudder a little bit um, and it's going to be on a big international scale um, be that kind of deep fakes or uh, finding out that a, a an interview has had a piece of AI an editor has gone rogue and has kind of like put in some AI words into an interview that yep. kind of caused some problems in uh, you know the the, the the presidential elections of 2024 or whatever it might be I, th- I think an AI scandal is is happening and I think we're all waiting to see what it's going to be so yeah I think we're, we're in for an interesting year in 2023 and um, privatization is is done the license fee is still up for question marks and uh, there's lots of changes in radio as we've all seen so I think that us media hawks are, are hungry for the news so please do stay tuned to tier on the media podcast because we'll be bringing it to you here first I'm sure but that's everything from me and Tara. So back to you, Matt, for some more juicy media predictions. Just before we set sail onto other media lands, Faraz has asked our resident Channel 4 historian, Maggie Brown, what might be in store for the broadcaster this year. Let's hear Mystic Maggie's prophecy. I think that the whole area of assuming that people will pay for television that they really like is somewhat fragile because of the squeeze and the fact that we're going into a recession. ITVX, for example, is free to air, uh, so it's supported by advertising. Uh, we, we know that Netflix is going for a free-to-air service or a low subscription service, and a lot of people talking about this in the industry, what will be the future. I actually am surprised it hasn't happened, is being able to just pay for the thing you want rather than having to sign up to a full subscription. And and I think that when you think of the way that 
film distribution is going, for example. You don't have to go to a cinema necessarily. Can you buy it just for yourself at home? It seems to me that there's going to be more of a pick and mix uh, spread. And I'm also picking up from people, people who are well off are saying they like a service without advertising and they're prepared to pay for it. And Channel 4, in fact, does offer that on its services on the all four app, but they don't really um, make much of it because obviously they prefer the advertising uh, side to come forward. But there is this other option for people to, if they wish, do away with the ads as well. So I think there's going to be a, um, a freeing up of the market. That's what I, what I think. And, and it will be in tune really with, well, what pe people want themselves at home, how they vote with their their money really or, or lack of money that's that's one for us but maggie give us your second prediction for the year i think that, that probably channel 4's hq will be sold that was what i was going to predict then give the us a price is, how much do you think channel 4's hq is worth maggie well i mean the the last valuation i saw was 100 million but you know that that's a couple of years ago we're in a, a recession for, for offices and i don't know what the actual condition is whether people would have to um start overseeing a, a renovation of a building that was after all sort of completed in 95, 96. So um, the starting price has to be the one I know, which is 100 million. It may be less, it may be more. Uh, it's quite a tight site really. And I, it, I'm, and I don't know if it's listed. I would imagine that it probably is. So, or it could be listed if, if there was a question of it being redeveloped. And do you think it's another media buyer or are we gonna see more high-end luxury flats in, uh, in Horseray Road? Well, that's what I don't know. I mean, whether you can have a change of use, it's a planning uh, issue, isn't it, really? I have no idea. I mean, I may be wrong, but you have to say, if the majority of your staff, they're already 650 outside of London, you don't have that many left to go into that building, which was built to accommodate a thousand people. But you do have an advertising a very big advertising floor there because obviously they're the people who drive the money. That is the main money raising side of, of the business and it's it's in Horse Ferry Road. So they would have to go somewhere, but I'm sure that um, that can be sorted out. That, that would be my second prediction. Okay. Well, listeners, if, if you're looking for an extra couple of bedrooms and uh, <laughs> you're thinking of investing in some property in London, then, then do let us know. Thank you, Fraz Osman, Tara Conlon and Maggie Brown. It's time for a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be back with the forecasts for podcasts, radio, print, streaming and more after this. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And we're back. This year, we've asked friends of the pod to send in their forecasts for 2023. First, let's find out what may be in store for the streamers. All things digital experts, Dan Taylor Watts and Adam Bowie, share their predictions. I'm Dan Taylor Watts, so I'm a digital consultant and blogger and writer and illustrator and many other things. So I think a sort of an, an easy one to make sure I get at least one point next year is I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation within the streaming sector. And I think that that's going to mean some of the smaller players who've been trying to go it alone, realising that's not really going to work and that they need to go in. And I think that the we saw YouTube primetime channels launch recently with Paramount Plus on the roster. And that's coming pretty soon after Paramount Plus was going out going it alone as an OTT service. And so I think there's going to be more of that. I also think some of the big players who have, have through acquisition or mergers acquired multiple, have multiple streaming services might start to roll them together. And Warner Brothers Discovery have already said they're doing that with HBO Max and Discovery Plus. And it wouldn't be uh, extraordinary to see Disney decide to do that with some of their propositions. They've got Hulu and ESPN Plus. So they'd need to by Comcast out on Hulu. So some of those niche services will survive, but more and more they'll they'll kind of go into a few big services that, that can have that scale. My second one will be Apple introducing uh, an ad-supported tier, which I think a few years ago would have felt like a strange thing to say because Apple started out as a, we're a hardware company, everything else is a, is a loss leader to get people to buy our hardware. Then they became a services company and people would pay subscriptions to those things. And increasingly, quietly, they're, they're becoming a, an ad-funded company as well. And I think that you know, having really noveled um, ad-serving ad on iOS for, uh, for other players on their platform, they're increasingly bringing up their own ad-serving within their, their app store. And I think it, the indications are that they're looking to move into ad serving on, on video. Whether that will be just ads in addition to the kind of current price point, which they've just bumped up from $4.99 to $6.99, or I, I wouldn't be surprised if they then, like Disney, bought in a, an ad supported tier at the, the previous entry price, or, or even went lower with that price, because I think they have got that, that smaller catalogue. It's not, it's not exactly like for like with Netflix and Amazon. And then my third and final prediction is uh, Jeff Bezos coming back as the CEO of Amazon. So everyone thought that he was gone, but I think a bit like the Bobs at Disney, I think that the Andy Jassy's had a sort of tough time of it. And I think Jeff might be bored of going on rockets up into space and not be able to resist the sort of ego trip of coming back and, and getting Amazon back on the straight and narrow after they managed to lose 
a trillion dollars in market valuation. So that's that's my wildcard prediction. Hi, I'm Adam Bowie, and here are my 2023 media predictions. They're going to be fewer podcasts, but we won't actually be able to tell. So there won't be fewer in absolute terms. Obviously, those numbers are just going to go up and up. But what I mean is, in terms of big spending on big titles, I think we're just going to see a little bit less and a little bit more constraint. Allied to that, I think we're going to hear more people try to set up funding mechanisms beyond advertising. That's going to mean more titles seeking subscriptions in one form or another, although I'm not sure that will always work, and see one of my later predictions for more on that. At least one major streaming service will shut down or merge with another one. The smart money is probably on Comcast Peacock, which doesn't really exist in the UK beyond being a tile within the Sky EPG. Um, In the US they do have things like Premier League Football and WWE to support them, but it might make more economic sense to roll that up with someone else. Comcast and Disney are going to have to bang their heads together over what to do with Hulu. I would expect Disney would take it over and then merge it in with Disney Plus in some way. Outside the US, of course, that already happens, hence we get all those star-branded shows, and it's the reason that we can watch horror films like The Menu or Oscar hopefuls like The Banshees of Inishirin alongside Encanto and The Mandalorian. It could be one of Bob Iger's big moments. In 2023, the subscription bubble is going to burst, a bit anyway. The cost of living crisis has got to mean that the number of services we subscribe to will dip, and that will impact on how many shows the streamers can make. And that might mean dropping off a bit in the UK. I do worry about the number of new studios, for example, that are currently under construction outside the M25. We're littered with them. Are they going to have anything to fill them in a year or so's time? Netflix and Disney will be fine, and Amazon and Apple are playing on different financial rules. But beyond them, well, I don't know, the jury's got to be out. The ad-funded cheaper versions are fine, but that assumes that there's a volume of advertising that they need at the prices that they still want to charge to support all those services, and I'm just not too sure. Bonus prediction, the amount of shelf space given over to newspapers and magazines in WH Smith branches is going to shrink to less than the amount given over to soft drinks. You could probably argue that that's already happened in station and airport branches. Sad times for the printed media. Thanks, Adam and Dan. Uh, Well, Adam may have had a gloomy forecast for print, but we've called upon our sage advisors from the newsrooms to get a deeper sense of the year ahead. Sit back and enjoy the prescience of Jake Cantor and the revelations of Charlotte Tobit. I'm Charlotte Tobit and I'm the UK editor at Press Gazette. One thing to watch this year is print. Paper prices are one of the costs that have jumped up massively and are really biting publishers alongside energy costs. I don't think lots of national newspapers or major magazines will suddenly close in print this year, but I do expect some magazines to close in print and also perhaps some titles to think about how they are delivering in print, perhaps by doing fewer but better bumper editions. 
Another thing to keep an eye on is AI. Already this year we've seen US publishers CNET and Bankrate experimenting with AI written articles edited by humans, although some errors have been spotted in CNET stories and when people realised what they were doing it was said they hadn't been transparent enough up to that stage. The two main issues are how Google will treat your site if you do lots with AI and how audience will trust it when they see what you're doing as well. But I do think a lot more publishers will be experimenting with AI this year, especially as it could free up resources at a time when costs are biting. I also wanted to mention TikTok. Everyone knows 2022 is the year news publishers got stuck into experimenting on TikTok from basically a standing start and several have seen major growth on it, such as Sky News. But now I think they will get a bit braver with the format. We'll see more agenda setting on there like we are now with podcasts. And we'll also see more use of vertical video on other platforms because of it. So yes, it's another pivot to video. While you may expect subscriptions to be at big risk because of the cost of living crisis and economic downturn, news leaders in the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism's annual survey are feeling surprisingly confident. It's worth noting the report author said that he was quite surprised by how they responded and that he was feeling a bit more pessimistic, but I think they might be right. If you show the value of your subscription and give people like a really good package, then they'll stay, but it has to be really good. The same applies for streaming services as it does for news publishers. Obviously there are headwinds in advertising too at the moment, so it seems that bosses like the fact that subscriptions give you at least some reliable recurring revenue to work with, and therefore um, they've decided to make that a priority for this year. Hello, Jake Cantor here, a friend of the pod and uh, investigations editor at Deadline. A couple of quick Uh, predictions for you for the year ahead. The first one is a story that I've uh, been following a little bit and we'll probably see a bit more of this year. I think that uh, some Western media organisations are going to sever ties uh, with TikTok. Um, We've seen reports late last year that it was spying on journalists from the Financial Times, Forbes and BuzzFeed accessing Uh, location data and trying to figure out whether they have been near uh, employees from ByteDance which is TikTok's parent company. Uh, In short incredibly worrying. TikTok have said that it was an isolated incident and all those involved um, have since left the organisation but it does raise sort of broader concerns around data privacy and China's role in Uh, overseeing the company so yes I think we'll see some media organizations weigh up whether the risk of accessing younger audiences through TikTok is worth potentially compromising the data of their journalists and the second thing I'd like to point out is that I've been really interested to see AI's growing influence in the media something I've noticed is we're seeing lots of blogs and newsletters illustrate their words with DALI generated images. Um, We've seen Semaphore, uh, the new US publication using AI animation to bring to life stories from people in Ukraine. Really fascinating stuff. We also saw Channel 4's alternative Christmas message delivered by an AI called Amica. This is clearly something that is being experimented with and I think we'll see a bit more of it this year potentially with uh, some traditional media organisations dabbling, maybe even the BBC.
Have a good year. Speak to you soon. Thanks, Jake and Charlotte. Interesting to see AI and TikTok at the forefront of newsroom transformations. I'm sure we'll be returning to those trends on the show this year. Uh, Now to finish us off, our final 2023 predictions are from radio producer and trainer Anne Charles. Firstly, I think we're going to have an official date for the switch off of AM. I'm guessing this would probably be for 2027, which would line up with the end of the BBC's current charter. But the listening figures are so low and the costs of running the platform are so high, it makes sense that it will be officially wound down. Secondly, I think that after years of turmoil, we will still see Michelle Donnellan in place as the Secretary of State at the Department for Culture, Media and Sport for at least the bulk of the year, if not the whole year, major disasters notwithstanding. And thirdly, I think that the viewing figures in the UK for the coronation of King Charles III will be lower than the viewing figures for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, at least on television. So there you go. Three predictions that you can laugh at me heartily about in 12 months time. That's everything for today. Thank you to all of our fabulous contributors and predictors. Faraz Osman, Tara Conlon, Maggie Brown, Dan Taylor-Watt, Adam Barry, Jake Cantor, Charlotte Tobit and Anne Charles. I thank you all. Now, a lot of you work in media, so you know that putting together any kind of show is quite a bit of work and costs some money too. Uh, We always think it's right to pay the producers who work on setting up the podcast each week, as I'm sure you would too. Uh, So as we go into the new year, uh, I would very much encourage you to support all of our work by joining our Patreon. Uh, Not only is the money essential, it's genuinely quite motivating for me, uh, especially to see that number go up. And let's just say it's not a very big number at the moment. So do head over to patreon.com slash mediapod if you want to support the work we do. Now, if that's tough for you to do and cost of living crisis and all that, um, can you maybe agree to do something else for us instead? And that's help us promote the show to other media folk. If you enjoy it, just a simple retweet uh, of one of our Twitter posts at twitter.com slash the media podcast or perhaps share one of our LinkedIn posts would generally really help us grow the show. And of course, finally, if you don't already uh, follow the show on your podcast app of choice, get doing that so you can get us every week. My name's Matt Deegan. The producer was Phoebe Adler-Ryan with support from Matt Hill. And it was a Rethink Audio production. We'll see you back next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.